on peak itself so digging more into the business itself we mm. met i think from memory uh, in 2014 and yeah 15 i think 15. i was trying to remember myself yeah, yeah. and you Ms. were a northern technology all stars yeah event i think at uk fast and i was on yeah the judges and yeah that's right things have... i think i actually turned around and i didn't realize my mic was still on <laughs> and i'd after your pitch and i and i just went oh he's gonna win isn't he and, <laughs> yeah, and so quite a few people i think at the front of like the, chris um, <laughs> And um, uh, and yeah, I think you may have also, Rich. But um, and you did win, I think. The- yeah, although there were ten winners, they were they were picking like the ten northern stars. So I think um, winning, winning in, in a in a yeah, winning in a broad sense, it was good. It was a great cohort to be part of. No, it didn't really make that much of a gaff. No, <laughs> no, it made me chill out a little bit more about the result. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> at least we've got one vote. <laughs> Um, and, and look, you've, you've had amazing success since. I mean, can could you, you chart sort of, I suppose, the the more recent successes and maybe what you do so the audience have a, a good sort of understanding of peak? Yeah, peak, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. So AI, I'm, I'm never really sure whether to call it. Well, actually, we're comfortable with either. I mean, peak. I call it peak. I think everyone at peak calls it peak and most, but, but, you know, if the domain name gets used fine, peak AI is also good. Um, so we're not too precious on that. Yeah. So I was thinking about that. What's a good way to introduce peak. We, as back then, actually, I don't think the purpose of peak has changed, but the, how we do this has changed a little bit as we've grown, obviously, but we essentially try to help businesses win with data and AI. Um, we do that now in a way, and we can talk about this during the podcast. You might find it interesting. As um, we we call it decision intelligence these days, and that's how we position Peak. So I would say we're a decision intelligence company if we're at a sort of lower level of definition, specifically enabling companies to embed AI into the sort of core decision making that sort of makes their or powers their business, their value chain, how they how they grow, how they make profit. Um, and we typically work with retailers um, about just under half of our customer base are retailers um, and we've got some great names that are sort of publicly disclosed as brilliant companies we work with like Superdry and the, the Boohoo Group and AO.com and others um, mm-hmm. and a few that aren't sort of in the public domain and then CPG is a sort of like growing area for us we recently announced a new partnership with KFC which is really exciting for us and, and manufacturing as well too and some really good um, like UK PLCs and global um, global manufacturing businesses now working with us. And actually the thing that sort of unites them all is that they're all product companies, right? They're all, they've all got physical products that they need to sort of sell and generate demand for, plan for that demand and then fulfill the demand. And so what we're able to do with our platform is, is optimize that and help them with this decision intelligence capability. Um, so we are, you know, we're a, obviously a tech company we're a SaaS business um our customers are paying us a subscription to use our software and we're helping them get the most out of the software um and then on top of that you know we've kind of got a dual purpose at peak like you know you met us 
first just after we set the business up but we set the business up to do two things like help companies win with data but then also like build a company that everyone loved being part of and we meant you know obviously the team people connected to peak customers uh, partners etc um so that's a core part of our mission we just wanted to make a business that was enduring and people enjoyed being part of right and so so that makes it twice as hard because there's you know there's a way of growing a business uh one way and there's a way of growing a business another way and we have to choose that you know uh, a way that has is about more than just commercial growth for us so there's a lot of stuff going on but yeah that's us um really and i think now approaching 200 people in the peak team which is um pretty crazy and we're global you know a lot of our business now comes from india and the us and outside of the uk mm. um and like uh, i would say yeah we must be uh, we don't benchmark ourselves in this regard but we must be the we must be the biggest commercial ai company in certainly in the uk if not europe and hopefully we can continue to grow mm. yeah. how uh how long did it take you guys to come up with that kind of uh, phrase of uh, decision intelligence a while actually you know um because it's a good question because essentially we're adopting like a a category creation strategy yeah. at peak yeah. right like um and and, and actually uh, this is going to sound a little bit hype a bit american for a second but i think that like decision intelligence is fundamental to the future of companies like if they need to harness ai in running their business and it's a hard it's a very hard thing to do and it's a big change but those that are doing it are winning already and, and and everyone needs to everyone's going to need to make that change mm. to do it and to do it right you need a you do need a brand new kind of business system to run on mm. which in our case um we call cody that's the name of our platform now um which stands for connected decision intelligence right so that but that decision intelligence can, system can I, can I just stop you here rich and yeah. just I, i'm you know i'm a bit bit dim sometimes but Decision intelligence, if you were to sort of write it on a can of beans. Yeah. What is what is What, is what it? would be inside well, the can? <laughs> yeah, well, well, inside the can. Yeah. You'd have to ask someone who knew what they were talking about. But if I would, I, yeah, good question. So as we define decision intelligence, it is essentially the use of artificial intelligence in optimizing your decision making, basically. So using AI to make consistently great, highly optimized decisions and if you think about it the reason that ai offers such promise to companies is that it is the first time that tech our technology helps us make decisions because like since the dawn of software like mainframe computers right in the 40s and 50s and then programmable ones in the 60s humans are programming machines to help us cognitively so they're giving us more like cognitive capacity but we're still telling them what to do yeah. and they're working for us not with us right like now, a calculator like, would be a good example it, right you use the calculator it, to simplify your math operations but what if the calculator started telling you hey these are the problems you should be looking at <laughs> exactly exactly that yeah anthony i think that's a good way of looking at it and so if it, ai fundamentally i mean we obviously use ai as a catch-all phrase for mm you know, various different algorithmic techniques and machine learning, but like it, it just makes predictions and categorizations over big, big data sets, data sets that we can't pros comprehend as people, right? 
But those predictions and categorizations are fairly useless on their own. And that's why we, we call it decision intelligence. Like with those predictions, we can then make a decision based on a future state. And we can use a computer to optimize that decision. So as people, as like commercial decision makers, whether I'm a marketeer looking to target a particular audience to grow revenues or whether I'm a merchandiser mm. looking to buy the right amount of product and price it and allocate it across the stores network, mm. I can make that decision, but in like this superhuman way, because the mm. computer is giving me this decision intelligence capability. You, you as commercial decision makers can then decide, do I trust the machine enough to let it do loads of stuff for me? Or do I still want to supervise it? Or do I still want to program it and control it and give it guardrails? And like, definitely, but essentially, you know, with the same team, we can achieve so much more. So that's why we're calling it decision intelligence because it isn't AI. Like mm. AI can be anything. AI could be a robot walking down the street. Mm. In business, what we need is something that essentially makes us superhumans in doing our day jobs, and that and that is like that's decision intelligence as we call it. Yeah. So that's the sort of yeah, maybe not the can of beans, but the packet of beans uh, definition. Yeah. yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, and so putting that in the context of of your customers you mentioned a few of them before um they would obviously use peak generally to enhance their revenues as a as a as an optimization or you know yeah what, what are some of the goals yeah 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 i guess every organization has its own goals i mean in our in the sectors we play in um principally commercial ones and companies want to grow faster with with wider margins pretty much so um so we're enabling that you know if you can make faster greater consistent decisions with a lot of certainty you can like not carry excess stock your return on capital goes up you don't give away margin when you're pricing things and marking stuff down so your profits are wider or you're targeting customers better or just talking to them and giving them a better proposition grows your sales so you can both like you know improve customer service run leaner and then like in the supply chain mm. if you cut out that uncertainty you can fulfill orders and run your distribution networks we've got a great case study with a, a multinational cpg company where we've taken you know 10 percent out of the of the road miles that they're running around the uk it's mm. amazing really we think about the positive impact on like carbon emissions and and mm. so on so yeah. so you've got this sort of being it's it's that it's that sort of clarity we in our marketing we sort of say stop hoping you know because you make in the past you make data you make decisions based on historical data and hope that that's going to impact the future well, there's but like can, the human confidence level of a decision and then there's the decision intelligence confidence level that is yeah, the system right exactly and the other benefit is obviously speed like the computer is working constantly 24 7 um, whereas if we might make periodic decisions on what we buy and how we price and where we put products, because we just can't do that constantly. But if if the machine can do it all the time, mm. then we're also like... More adjustments. Yeah. And actually, the thing is, humans are great at making predictions. We're really good at looking at data and saying, well, given all of that, I think the sales might be this, or I feel like my customers might pay that. But we can't do that constantly across huge product portfolios all the time so that's really why the key to this success i think of ai in business isn't ai taking over actually it's mm -hmm. like ai being used in this decision intelligence way to make us even yeah. better at our jobs and that means people have to like sort of unlearn how they 
how the ones did their jobs and do it mm. a different way. It definitely doesn't mean that their jobs go away because you still yeah. need that human intuition. Superhuman yeah. intelligence rather than artificial intelligence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One, one of the things we, that uh, I, I think yeah. is, is what I'd like to hear more about is when you first started getting customers um, or clients, how much handholding did you need to do to get them decision intelligence ready? Did they already have all the inputs defined and data structured in a nice way and all you guys had to do is come along with your AI or was it, you know, a <laughs> lot more difficult that than that? <laughs> it still is a lot more difficult than that. Yeah. Cause it, and of, so as we've matured, basically we've standardized more. So we've been able to, first of all, we standardized on a data platform that enabled all of it. And then on top of the data platform, we've added this capability of like basically programming the AI quicker. And on top of that, now we've added applications that give us like solutions to business problems. So all of those things are standardized. So we've got this like full stack um, platform and that's fairly unique with us. Right. And, and one of the reasons why we're seeing such strong growth and adoption, like we've solved a big, just a huge infrastructure challenge, build that thing. The alternative is you have to build it yourself. So like we're quite a unique product, just stitching it all together. But now it's all stitched together and everything's standardized. You still need to set it up. So our business model is very much that we still reach into our customer, customer's business and we help them set the applications up and get the most out of it. Um, a transition we'll make over time is like more self-serve. Like we, we are collaborating a lot with our customers' data science teams. They're doing more and more themselves. Their engineers mm. are working on our platform. And then, you know, but our customer success teams helping our customers themselves like change the way they do things and and and, and run their business differently. That's going to have to stay for sure. Um, I think at some point, um, and this is in, in, our, in our plans over the next uh, 18, 24 months, is to enable partner organizations to do a lot of that as well and i think that's going to be a really great way of scaling for peak particularly globally like you know mm. we don't need to take direct responsibility for for for, for every customer um at the moment it though it's really important that we do because the understanding of how they're successful just feeds back into the product and it's like a virtual virtuous sort of cycle and a loop yeah the feedback and loop. yeah and i like i see a lot of software companies with a um with a sort of traditional aspect on SaaS businesses won't do that. And, and they're missing out on a sort of vital input, I think. And I think in, in our space where our customers don't have the skills in doing that, that gives us a competitive advantage. We get that sort of meta understanding, if you like, of how to make the change into being a decision intelligence powered company. And then that allows us to build better products. So we're not going to stop doing that for a long time, but we will probably, you know, do it differently over the course of mm. the next few years. You're helping them help you. <laughs> <laughs> we all win together. To use the cliche. <laughs> um, you know, that classic, you know, well, funnily enough, I've been on panels where you, you sometimes have certain VCs that are like, so what are you disrupting? What, 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 what problem are you solving? You know, and it kind of, they get all excited and animated and it's kind of like, Sometimes there's businesses where it's not, you know, yes, you are changing um, the way people work, but you're kind of, you know, not necessarily, it's not all about blowing things up and disrupting things. And I'm just sort of, you know, curious to hear your thoughts, Rich, on, you know, the sort of 
where where the bigger picture goes with decisional intelligence and you know is it a very sort of early stage type technology that in 10 years time it, you know it could have grown into you know a, a, a massive industry i'm just mm, i think i think the answer to that's yeah like uh, so i think it's quite a profound space to be in in a sense because it it's going to change the way companies work for the better i think it's gonna make them more sustainable and um so i think i think a very good thing but it's such a nascent space at the moment like you know um i would i think we might be the sort of early category leader almost globally but we're very small compared to like a sales force or something like that right so i i do think the space will get so big and so important over the next 10 15 years that there will be a you know a software company will emerge as the category winner that becomes like you know snowflake then onto a sales force or something like that and so we do want that to be peak but i do think i don't think that that sort of i think the, I don't, i'm not a fan of the word disrupt either well i don't know it, really because because it's a, it's a it is a step function in how companies are going to run um, it's not going to disrupt them or disrupt industries. They're going to relearn like a new way of running even better. Um, and actually, we're not dislodging anything. And this is interesting, I think, because you need this new decision intelligence system, but you still need all the other bits of kit you've already got in your business to carry out the things that the decision intelligence brain wants you to. So I don't really see it as a as a huge disruption in that regard. I just see it as a as a big sort of step. Well, could it could it be categorized as a disruption enabler? If your clients are using your technology and their competitors aren't, it kind of enables them to disrupt their competition? Yeah, well, I, I definitely think that the companies that harness it are going to win their own industries, right? And and so it's going to it's going to cause this is the I have this existential debate going on in my head which I've never told anyone about, which is it like I, logically the market's huge if you go every company needs this the market's absolutely massive but what if only like 10 percent of every company's does it right and they massively win and the other 90 percent of companies like go <laughs> the market might be really small i don't know um i hope not so but it could but i think industries will disrupt as companies yeah. make those moves but i don't think that I don't see us as like technology disruptors because we're not going, hey, you don't need databases anymore. We've got this <laughs> magic fairy dust or something yeah, like that. Yeah. You know, so. just, just use our magic wand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 200 people in the business. Um, you started, I think, was it just the two of you all those years ago? Um, mm -hmm. How's that transition been? And, and you know, are you really still hyper involved in every decision that's made or are you now having to you know delegate i'm just interested in hearing what your sort of structure and your role is now rich yeah well i definitely feel like i have to sort of relearn how to do my job every like six months or so i get this period of like tension where i feel like totally out of control and then i realize that it's because i'm focusing on the wrong things um i think a lot of that just comes from growth right we've generally grown at 100 every year for the last few years and before that like tripling what you know in the early years and so that was so you so the job does change like really fast um i think i've always been all right at like delegating to a certain certain extent in so much as like we've always had a strong management team and i definitely don't feel like it, it is 
about me or should be about me. And so, um, and there are just better people in specific, you know, you, you're a bit of a generalist as a CEO, I think. Um, and your job is to spot things that could go wrong before they go wrong and course correct, basically. Um, mm. And so, so yeah, just, yeah. One of the biggest things that's changed recently, I think is the time horizon. So I used to be, the time horizon used to be obviously next week, next, next week, you know, and then maybe next month, next month. And as you pass the point that you know you're going to survive as a startup, then you start to be able to look a bit further out. So we are, I am able to like work on a few things that are like longer term and then have a management team that are focused on operating mm. the business. But I definitely I've set up frameworks because I love like working with our customers and, um, and, and, he- and hearing that. And I also like mm. helping our team and helping them develop. So I just, I run my diary a bit such that I have time to actively involve myself still with some customers and on some internal projects. Mm. Um, and some of the reasons for doing that is obviously just information gathering and then helping decision making for me really. Um, but I don't want to or need to be involved in every. We have a great exec team here that I think can take us on to, mm. you know, you know, hundred million ARR. So I don't, I don't feel the need to get involved. Like, but yeah, I definitely, I've gone through a period of relearning my job again in the mm. last few months. Mm. The weirdest thing is just we've hired 60 people since COVID broke. So we've oh. not like, I've not met them like <laughs> in that sense. So as we, as we start to open the office, yeah. I've met my, I've met everyone on zoom, but I've not met in person. Um, yeah. So I'm and, really, and, and the whole business located Manchester. In the UK, mostly Manchester. Yeah. We have a bit of a team in London now and, and, yeah. and Edinburgh. And then, and then we have yeah maybe 40 or so people in our Jaipur office because we've got like a development center in India mm-hmm. and we've yeah. just opened another location in Pune actually so we so India's growing quite fast for us yeah. um but that's sort of broadly where the where all the on uh, on on that management point uh have you guys developed some internal decision intelligence tools that are honed for exactly what you guys are working on with your clients and stuff? Because obviously the tech you've built for your clients probably isn't as suitable for exactly what you guys need internally, but have you, yeah, what's what's the story there? Yeah, correct. Yeah, on that point. I mean, we're obviously not our own ideal customer profile, yeah. um, but the data science team, you know, and the engineering team build a load of cool sort of widgets and automations that help stuff. And we've just got the skills to do that and, and they like to tinker. So, so we do have a lot of like little little bits of kit that we've built just to just to help the information flow and and the speed of stuff so that's all good kind of have to fight fight that though every time you're buying a new piece of software and you look at the bill and you're like oh we could build that that's so expensive and you have to sort of fight the urge um but yeah but uh the main decision intelligence system really just comes uh, in a way comes from vision like we've got a strong vision and clarity for the across the whole business and if you set the, and we found at this stage and size, if you set the communication flow upright across the whole company and then into teams, and we know and we have company OKRs and department OKRs, and we run on those, that empowers everyone just to make their own decisions every day, and you don't have to like you, you know. So that's our decision intelligence system is more of an OKR based metrics thing, and it's mm. it's not it's not as fancy as what we do for our customers. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. So turning towards that beloved topic of investment, yeah. um, you, from memory, Mitch, you've, you've taken some 
great funding from some great VCs like Pretora and MMC, MMC. I think, uh, are two that stand out in my mind. Um, uh, you know, just when, when you are meeting the VC and, and the different people and some some founders are like god you know fundraising oh you know, i know it's a necessary evil i have to do it um you know just what 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 are you looking for because we have um a variety of different responses from founders on this and i'm curious what what yours would be yeah well i've never felt like that i know some people feel like that and maybe that's just because my background's a bit more commercial than you know, not a technical founder might find that more, um, more draining. I, I see it as a good opportunity. You're telling the story, you're learning off people. Um, you've got to tell the story and pitch it to recruit great people. So everything's practice. Every as a CEO, anyway, every meeting's like a sales meeting in a way. You know, so you've got to you've you've got to sort of be practicing your pitch all the time. So, so I don't see that as an issue. What we've always looked for, I had a really simple rule with fundraising over the years and still stick to it is, do I like, do I like the person and do I want to work with them? Um, and I, all money isn't created equally. Uh, we could have raised off very different venture firms. We could have raised off different venture firms at different valuations too. Um, but we've chosen, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a strong theme there with Pratura from the C funding, then MMC series A, Ox recently series B, really high integrity, strong, great people that and, you enjoy what you do, enjoy working with i don't know ox but are they all uk vc well yeah ox is uh, ox is a swede a uk and swedish fund um so um not exclusively uk but yeah but yeah and so actually is that, is that by uh, design there rich or i don't you, know you, you know US vc can sometimes come in and go we really like you but you're going to have to move to San Francisco. HQ's <laughs> got to be in Austin, Texas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, <laughs> we've got a little list of criteria for future. So we are thinking about, you know, at some point we'll want to raise a growth round, you know, a Series C or something if we carry on like this. And, and on the list of criteria probably is our ideal next lead investor would be a US fund um, with a strong with a strong brand um, and, and strong expertise in like category creation and B2B software. And the reason for that is because as we grow and if we want to win the sector globally, right, we're going to need to attract great talent in the US. I think, you know, we don't have a operation there and we don't have a strong brand yet. So getting a bit of a boost up and, and being part of some sort of regarded, well-regarded scale up group that might emerge and make it one day would be good for us so i think i think we do have that in our minds but yeah i mean i've spoken to a lot of us funds over the years and my any advice to founders would be when pitching pitch the big vision like i'm quite bad at it because i i i want to be truthful in so much of a sense as like i want to be more like this is where we are here's what we're trying to do and know that we're going to do that thing mm -hmm. and, and that works really well in the uk in the us like unless you're going we're going to change the world because every company in the world is going to be running on this system in 10 years and by the time they are we're going to be bigger than salesforce if you don't say something like that they don't even pay attention so like i do think i do think there's an element of push yourself go, out go big or go home <laughs> yeah pretty much uh so i don't know but like i think it's important to have integrity generally so that's why i've never done that but um but now that it feels more like it's a possibility 
the pitch has got a bit bigger. So <laughs> it seems to. I don't know if the pandemic's changed as such. I'm sort of speaking out loud, but the the need that you have to go and have a big base in the US if you want to become a big mm. global player. Do you think that's diminished slightly with yeah. the pandemic? And yeah, the I do actually. Virtual? Definitely, because businesses will stay in their home countries. You know, not just talking about the UK, but obviously in in the EU. Um, you know, is is that? Is that a trend you, you agree with? I think it's hard to know. It might, I'd like to think it will go away because 18 months ago, the answer to that question would be, well, we're going to move our HQ to New York at some point, like mm. I would have probably said. Um, now we're debating whether we're going to do that at all. Like, as in, I think the, firstly, I think the concept of a HQ goes away in like a sort of, in a sort of hybrid working model where you have like a home base, home like, like home clubhouses as we're calling them now for like offices around the world um and you can work from anywhere like what is a what is a hq you know and i think in that sense you don't need to move your power base to the city or the country that you're going to be wanting to ipo in or something like that so i definitely think if say if our goal was to ipo one day at this point in time you would probably say the best place to do that would be like nasdaq listing or something but do we need to be a u.s company to do that like previously i think people would have thought you did but i'm not sure that's the truth of the matter anymore as long as you can service your customers really well and you can grow in a region doesn't really matter where where your management team are sat in that sense if you're a global company and another thing that's changed i think on that a little bit is just because we're growing fast in asia and in the us so actually the uk is the perfect time zone wise the perfect location mm. um so I'm, I'm not sure whether we would actually move that sort of base to the to the US. So obviously, we'll have a big presence there if we're successful. But just go for a dual listing. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to add spice to it. Yeah, yeah why not? <laughs> Fix it up. Exciting. Exciting times ahead, mate. Anything we've missed that you might want, want to just add, Rich, before we go? Or we covered all? Uh, no, good. That was fun. Chat, hopefully useful for you guys. Happy yeah, to help yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, really, you know, the growth and the story is fantastic. And I think, you know, we'll hopefully check in with you in 12, 18 months and it'll be double where you are. I mean, I, I can't see That's... the not kind of, you know, corny pun, but it really is a bit, it's, it's flying, isn't it? Really, the business. Well done. And yeah, thanks, mate. Amazing. Appreciate it. Thanks for the support, as always. Yeah. You know. That's what we're here to do. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Anthony, as well. Yeah, definitely. Pleasure. Cheers, guys. Take it easy. Take care.